Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, two cool dads, and two free-as-a-bird school teachers. I'm Don <laughs> Shanahan. And I'm William Johnson. We're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum sake. We're share passions and high five wash high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're going to have a little bit of a bonus content episode to kind of do a little bit of a just a little talking show where we get to have a little back and forth, but maybe not so much love and maybe not so much hate. We're here today mm-hmm. to kind of do our best of 2021 so far rosters and lists and thoughts and feelings because theaters are starting to open back up the indie scene has never really gone away will's been absorbing digital content and online stuff like crazy i still review stuff like a bunch and it's halfway point of the year here at the end of june where it's kind of that point where we're halfway through i know most movie years are kind of backlogged or kind of backfilled to kind of have all the best stuff at the end. But to me, there's been enough good cinema so far this year that we can make a top five. So what we're going to do for this episode here is kind of give our top fives of what we feel have been the best of 2021 so far. We'll kind of take turns going back and forth with one recommendation to another. I've ranked my choices where we're going to have, I'll go five to one. Will's going to kind of, kind of bounce in here and kind of give his ideas along the way, but we're kind of, kind of take you know present a movie give a little little you know quick little spiel about each one and kind of trade positions i'm pretty sure the timer's off for this one so it's just a matter of having a good talk and a good time folks if you haven't heard of or seen these movies these are things we super duper recommend that you find if you want to hear our reviews and thoughts on them you're going to have our letterbox channels you're going to have uh, reviews on 25 well from myself or will and uh, i think we're going to give you folks some solid recommendations of what has been the best so far this year will how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, uh, I was and to prepare for this. I was kind of looking through uh, my films uh, on Letterboxd of what I've seen from technically 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only one film that I think is technically considered 2020 because of the festival circuit, but really was released in 2021. So I have one of those two. I think, th- yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to cheat a little bit, and there will be one that you might look it up and it says, hey, that's 2020, but mm-hmm. it's really technically based on mainstream release Yeah, was 2021. I have one of those um, as well. Don't you worry. But uh, do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can see this uh, on yours. I don't know if you have it pulled up. I have it pulled up. You can look up by year on Letterboxd mm-hmm. how many films you've watched oh, in 2021. I don't know if I've got that stat, or I'll let you talk about yours while I dig at mine. Go right ahead. Stalling. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Now I have to do some weird math here because Letterboxd has this weird thing where they put TV shows on there sometimes. Okay. So it says right now that I've watched 19 films released in 2021. Mm. Now, three of these don't count because one of them is WandaVision, one of them is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and the other one is my beloved Blu-ray of the Super Bowl 55 championship season DVD that I watched. Um, uh, I actually added that to Letterboxd myself. Uh, so, uh, that doesn't count as a movie. Uh, so, and those other two are shows, but also one of the films that I consider on my list is in the 2020 section. 
So technically, if I take away three and then add one, I've seen 17 films released in 2021, okay. which okay. doesn't seem like a lot. You've definitely probably seen a lot more than I that. think now I kind of I'm not going off of Letterboxd because I know I'm kind of trying to do or I'm failing horribly to do like the hashtag 365 a day film challenge mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I'm in the one thirties, one forties out of the year, which I know I'm short a good 15 days. But when I did this, I kind of looked up where my reviews were. So I think I've seen about gotcha. 37, 38, 20, 21 films. So I'd got you doubled, but nothing crazy. Yeah. And a lot of the 2021 ones, um, you probably will be able to uh, eliminate immediately off the list because we've talked about them on the show um for instance we did an episode on godzilla versus mm-hmm. kong which we both hated oh, yeah. so that one is not going to be on the Ain't list showing um, up. Zack snyder's <laughs> Zack snyder's justice league that will not show up on the no. list no. um <laughs> so uh, yeah there's definitely a few on here we talked about cruella last week um not sure if that makes the list we will find mm-hmm. out but um and we also talked about mortal Kombat, which will not make the list either so you, you can probably eliminate some of our choices yeah. immediately based on our podcast history so which is a shame we'd love yeah. to match up something good for you but uh we haven't got that far all yeah. right but uh why don't you okay so you're gonna go five four three two i am i have a definite number i have a definite number one okay but the rest are unranked, okay. so I will save my number one for last. Should we do some honorable mentions first before we dip into the creme de la creme? Absolutely. Right. Um, I'll name drop yes. a short You go first. I'll name drop a short list. So uh, a couple that I've got about five that would fill a top ten. So here's kind of the bottom five in no really particular order. I thought okay. Bob Odenkirk's crazy little action movie, Nobody, was a blast. Nice little pick there. I Just, just a good, fun time. I, I wish I could see it on the big screen. Um, I'm not normally a Justin Timberlake guy, but Palmer on Apple Plus was a nice little turn for him playing. Um, I think the first time I've really seen him play a legit kind of father or father figure, especially now that he's tipping the ages at 40. I was impressed by Palmer with Justin Timberlake. Uh, the Disney entry, Rhea and the Last Dragon from March, was a very solid animated Disney entry. We don't. We, it's been a while since we've had something really notable there, especially with pandemic things. Um, another one I got to drop it, stay in the animated category. The Mitchells versus the Machines on Netflix mm. is a blast. Very stylish, very fun, great messages, great social commentary on devices, parenting, all the different things. I just missed my top five. That'd be number six for sure. And then I'll throw a kind of a little love at a tiny little, uh, I think this is a Hulu or Amazon Prime little indie, something called The Ultimate Playlist of Noise. It, it kind of was a little January release, which, you know, to film critics, you get to do the little, the first great film of 2021, that little hyperbole jump. But it really was the first, it really was the first great movie I saw this year. And it's about, um, that's probably the most underseen one I can kind of recommend here for a second, where it's this um, teeny bobber love story about a guy who's going to go deaf because he's having surgery to remove a tumor. It's going to take a tumor. It's going to take his, uh, sense of hearing from him and he's a big music file and audio file kind of guy so and he learns that his brother was in a band and things like that so he wants to go around and kind of you know record some of life's great sounds and he kind of goes on this road trip adventure to do it ultimate playlist of noise nice little underseen hidden gem little thing i can recommend but those are my honorable mentions nice um i'm not gonna have as many because i haven't seen as many films um and frankly, of the 17 I've seen, or 18 or whatever I decided the number was of 2021, a lot of these films are two stars, one and a half stars, mm. maybe a three here and there. 
So not a lot of great stuff to recommend. So there are two movies I will put on my honorable mentions um, that were very enjoyable um, that will, would not make my list. Um, the first one is Cruella, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Good choice. I don't need to go into detail on that. Uh, but I, 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 found, I gave it a four stars. I'm very um, on Letterboxd. I give a lot of fours and um, a lot of three and a halfs. You really have to mess up for me to right you know, to me to give you a lower score because I just, if I enjoy myself, I'm going to give you the credit mm-hmm. for it. So Cruella is up there. And then here's a movie that I watched today. All right. Actually at the time of recording, which <laughs> will probably be three weeks from now. So it doesn't matter. But, um, I watched a Hulu original, um, uh, directed by Joe Carnahan, Ooh. um, starring Frank Grillo, wow. um, All right. Naomi Watts, I know this movie, Michelle yeah. Yeoh, and Mel Gibson. Um, and it was called Boss Level, right. which is um, – it is a, a high-concept fantasy film. I, I want you to picture um, Groundhog Day meets um, – uh, I never remember the title of it because I remember the original title. Live, Die, Repeat. Oh, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. With Both Deadpool. terrible titles. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those three films together, if you combine those three films, Deadpool being the last one – what would you get? You'd get boss level. Um, I'm not saying it's going to win best picture, but it is um, a well-produced, tight action thriller um, with a lot of comedy, a lot of funny gore, a lot of sense of humor. Um, so you can catch that on Hulu, and that would make my honorable mention so far this Okay, year. good call. Well, I'll start yeah. and go to number five. Number five for me, not too far away from the ultimate playlist of noise, another kind of little bit of teen romance movie is called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. And it stars uh, Catherine Newton, who we Catherine. just enjoyed in Freaky, and Kyle Allen, who's kind of a little bit of an up-and-comer. And it's a bit of a time loop movie. I know time loop movies feel, just because we had Palm Springs last year, already feel overdone or overplayed because you had one. But this is a, a time loop movie where um, these two teens are kind of stuck in this town and they repeat the same day. And in one of them, it kind of lives a cynical view of things because of the way her day is going. And you kind of learn what that is towards the end of the movie. And then one kid is kind of like is the guy, uh, both Kyle Allen, who wants to kind of be the do-gooder. Like he always kind of finds different things to kind of watch, observe, fix, or make better about his town throughout this little day. And it's a sunny little bouncy little fall day. And it's a plucky, fun little movie that doesn't, it, it's very self-aware. I think it even name drops Groundhog Day. And it, it, it mixes a little bit of romance in there. And it, and it has a good youth and effort, kind of effervescent fun. Whereas Palm Springs is kind of more the Andy Samberg show and all that. And that works fine for what that is. But then it kind of gets a little weird with tunnels and caves and freaky stuff like that. But Catherine Newton and Kyle Allen make for just a fun couple of you that you root for where it's not so much of a will they or won't they, but you just want to see them have a good, I hate to say it day and their their amount of time they share together and the interesting little things to do, because what they end up doing is kind of inspired by his little stuff is they want to make a map of all the little perfect things that happen throughout the day in their little town, like little moments of joy, little moments of this little moments of that, that are so unique that would it be so fun to see again? So just, uh, like I said, light, easy, good couch movie, map of tiny, perfect things. If I remember correctly, it is a Amazon movie, but I'm sure it's on Hulu, and I'm going to screw that up, that, that name drop in advertising. So we technically, in my honorable mention and your first film, they're both uh, time travel, Groundhog Day, repeat the day, time loop movies. Because yeah. um, Boss Level is the same thing. I just imagine that 
a map of tiny pretty things or whatever it's called yeah. is, uh, has less f words and less blood. It does, um, and, it, Kath- and c- confirm confirm it is on Amazon Prime. Yep, Catherine Newton is great. I'm very excited. She's going to be. Um, she has taken over the role of Cassie Lang, um, which is Scott Lang's daughter in the Ant Man films. Ooh. She will be in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, which comes out, I believe, in the next few years. So she will be excellent. Uh, I'm not sure how the actress feels who played. Uh, the older Cassie in Endgame mm-hmm. feels about being recast, but whatever it happens, Catherine Newton is kind of a rising star, and I think she's really good. So I haven't seen that yet, so I will definitely check that out for sure. Um, my first two picks are going to go by very fast because we've actually kind of discussed them on the podcast, all right, in one way or another. My first one is uh, this is a pseudo cheat. Um, it was eligible for 2020 Oscars even though it wasn't released in Sundance till 2021 and um, to the general public till 2021, that's Judas and the black Messiah. Excellent choice. Um, I'm going to put that as 2021. So if anyone is stickler for it, fight. Yeah. That made Um, our, that made our uh, Oscar show though. We had great talk about it. Yeah. So if you want to hear more about my thoughts on Judas and the black Messiah, please go to that episode. But in, in brief, Mm -hmm. you have, Two amazing lead performances. Not sure why they're supporting actors at the Oscars. But totally two agree. Amazing lead performances uh, by Daniel Kaluuya, who ended up winning the Oscar, and um, and I don't know why. Oh, the, Lakeith Stanfield. There you go. Um, I was about to forget it for a minute. Um, uh, they're excellent performances. It's a very moody, very um, uh, really puts you in the environment of 1960s and 70s Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very immersive. Uh, so I won't go into too many details, but I, that so far is on my list of, in terms of films I experienced in 2021. Um, I got to see that at Sundance. It was in an outdoor theater, so it wasn't perfect, but it was still fun. Um, educational. It got me into about three or four documentaries that I ended up burying myself into reading the history of the FBI nice. of black Panther. I love when the movie stuff does stuff like that. that. Yeah. Those rabbit holes so, of, so of was, nonfiction discovery. I love that stuff. Yep. So that was, uh, that is, um, one of my three, five star entries, which is why I didn't rank them. Mm-hmm. I have three, five star films for this. I year, have two uh, so far. I have so. two. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 Two. My, this is one of my five stars. Not bad. Not bad. I, uh, number four for me is, I get crap for it. I'm in the I'm in the Rotten Tomatoes minority, but I don't care. Is uh, I Billy Crystal and his latest directorial movie here today is the first movie he's directed in 20 years. The last one he wow. did was uh 61, the Roger Maris Mickey Mantle story from oh. baseball, which is a sweet little baseball great, movie. Film. Yeah, great film, good little baseball movie and little human story if you ever want to get into that. But uh, it's his first directorial effort since that movie, and that's a long time ago. And it's. Yeah. It's Billy Crystal calls his own number and plays kind of a essentially like a Saturday, like a Lauren Michaels, a Saturday Night Live uh, originator and writer who's kind of still the senior member of the writer's room of all these young guys trying to come up with sketch comedy and all that. And he is in the stages of Alzheimer's and in in a certain kind of version of it where things will, you know, are going to slip and lose for him without some routines and things like that. And it's starting to kind of creep into his daily routines. And at some point, people at work are going to figure it out. And he meets a uh, a person by complete accident who kind of becomes a bit of a, a helpful friend in his life. And it's of all people, it's Tiffany Haydish. And normally mm. she could be, to use the young kids term, she could be a little extra. 
she could be a little loud. She could be a little much. And don't get me wrong, Tiffany Haddish still kind of has her Tiffany Haddish moments, but not nearly as loud and unnecessary as usual, where she really does come in here and play a good little buddy in a buddy film where, uh, you know, I don't want to say an Ebony and Ivory kind of bunny film because it's not about that. And it, and it doesn't come up, which is wonderful, mm-hmm. but she, she's a great little presence in this movie. It's the best I've ever seen her in, in a film. And it's, it's just a good heart story about him trying to figure out, you know, come to terms with his condition. He's trying to kind of find different closure about, you know, he lost his wife in a, in a, in an accident and his kids have kind of never been the same since then. He's got adult children and him just coming to terms with his mortality, coming to terms with family, coming to terms with his career and his, his place of success. And it's Billy Crystal. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to remember when Billy Crystal meant magic in a movie where he just shows up and he's smooth as fucking glass. He's fun. He's quick witted. His his sincerity, his his sarcasm, all feel the same because he's just so good at what he does in his presence. And this was nice to get something out of Billy Crystal that I haven't seen in a long time. I know he's done some little indie things here and indie things there, but he's not an A-lister anymore. And this was just such a nice return project where it was like, you know what? Damn, look how good he still is here today. It's a probably on VOD right now. I'm not sure what streaming service is landing on, but VOD for sure. That's been on my list. Uh, I love Billy Crystal as well. Um, when I was a kid, uh, we're talking late, maybe mid to late nineties. So I was probably in my early teens, mm-hmm. uh, forget Paris came out and go. I was a huge fan of that film. Um, I, initially what drew me into the film was the fact that he was like an NBA referee and they had all these NBA stars yeah. that were, you know, in the nineties NBA is amazing. Oh, I know. Um, but it ended up, you know, really intriguing me as a film about romance and stuff. And uh, 61 is a great film. Mm-hmm. It's not only just a great sports film, it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely willing to give him a shot. I still haven't seen that one, but um, it is on the watch list. All so, right. What's your number four? Or what's your next? Well, mine also has Tiffany Haddish in, as well. Hey, now. Um, T- Tiffany Haddish is someone that I, I, I didn't expect to like uh-huh. based on some of the projects that she chose. Um, cause I'm very brutal on comedies and I seen a couple of films with her where I was like, all right, she's, she's, she's cashing the paycheck. She's making these kind of mainstream, right. low, lower common denominator comedies. I had, Fine. I had the same fear. Um, but she's actually, I read her book and she's hilarious. Um, and when she shows up, she is a presence, um, and she can make, she can make things better. Um, now there is a, a little film on Netflix. Um, which I'm sure isn't going to make any anybody's critics top 10 list for the year, but I laugh my ass off and that is bad trip. All right. Uh, with Eric Andre and little rel Howry and Tiffany Haddish is, uh, a supporting role in this. And, um, now I don't know if, if what your history with Eric Andre is, but I mean, did you ever watch his talk show? No, I know very little of the guy on uh, adult swim. Yeah. See, yeah. See, okay. I, I know very little. So his talk show was, Basically, he would get a guest on, um, and they would think they were on a legit talk show. <laughs> he would basically just like mind fuck them, like to the point where they're vomiting or like they're running out of the show. Like they have no idea what they're getting into. Like it's that kind of show, and it's a lot of hidden camera tricks and a lot of lot of um, gimmicks and set pieces and things like that. So, Bad Trip is kind of a big budget version of his show, in the sense of there's a story being told that's fictional. 
about him going to pursue the love of his life um, on a road trip, but it's full of his hidden camera moments. Um, and some of, and he, the great thing about Eric Andre is he's never, he has no shame. Mm-hmm. He'll be completely nude. He'll be, he will embarrass himself in public. Like he has no shame at all. And that's what makes his pranks so good because um, like, for instance, he works, uh, he, everyone thinks he works at a smoothie store. He doesn't know how to make smoothies. So he'll do things like he'll just put random ingredients for people. And he's like, oh yeah, this is my creation. You know, little stuff like that, that doesn't seem that funny, but it just kind of builds up over time. Okay. And then he'll do something insane like put his hand in a blender and then like, you know, gallons of blood will shoot out and people freak out. Like he just goes like, he goes to insane levels for comedy. Um, you know, if you like jackass, you'll probably like bad trip, but it's obviously a little bit more fake, but it's actually a really, uh, it, there's a lot more hits than misses in the comedy department on that film. So I highly recommend that it's on Netflix. Um, there is a scene with a gorilla, um, that I, I'm too afraid I'll end up on a watch list if I even explain it. So um, <laughs> just uh, look out for the gorilla scene in this film. All right. Uh, and Tiffany Haddish is in it as well, and she is great. Okay. So. Okay. All right. I'll step up to number three. I just saw it. Well, yeah. by the recording of this movie, I just saw it within a week or two. But A Quiet Place Part 2 was just fine. And I'm really impressed that John Krasinski was able to mm. kind of keep the same uh, mystery and aura of the first film where you know where sound is a big ingredient to the show while still kind of giving you little little increments and little little steps of world building because i've seen a lot of sequels over the years where you take a little film you give it a sequel just because it was so darn successful that you know that it just kind of blows itself up to the point where like mm-hmm. they just overdo the sequel because now we've been flush with cash. Let's just blow it, you know, make everything bigger, make everything louder. Don't get me wrong. This movie is in places bigger and louder than the first one. And the cat's out of the bag in terms of what your, you know, your menacing villains are, but there's still this family and there's still this kind of fortitude and little, like, can we figure it out and can we survive? And there's enough peril to really keep you going. And my goodness, MVP of the movie mm. is Millicent Simmons, the, the actual deaf girl who plays the deaf daughter of the, of the, of Emily Blunt, who's still in this film. And I loved her years ago in Wonderstruck. She was great in this first one. And she's an actress. I, I'll watch her in anything. And she's the hero of the movie. And the movie does just fine. Keeping, like I said, keeping that vibe, keeping that aura, and still being sharp as attack. Tidy, under two hours. You still have Killian Murphy coming in here doing some excellent work. Emily Blunt is still balls to the wall. You know, toughness. And it it's the first real movie I, that well i don't want to say the first movie movie but i watched it on the big screen with the dolby almost rattling your seat and shaking your ass and it was awesome so big screen movies are back and that one was the best one so far hmm. um you know i haven't seen the first one so i haven't Ooh. gone out to see the second one either challenge accepted. Um, so it's, it's definitely on the list um yeah i um i wasn't sure what to think with a largely comedic actor directing a horror film. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't quite sure. I had a little skepticism, but uh, obviously the first one got a lot of praise, even got some Oscar nominations or at least one for some of the sound design. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's give some props out to the fact that the deaf community is getting oh, yeah. a lot of shots at uh, success because we had, um, we've got the little girl from uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which is the only thing I liked about the film. Right. She was actual deaf actress. She's awesome. I don't remember her name. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Um, 
obviously we have the girl here in uh, Quiet Place 2. And then we have um, this actress named Lauren Ridloff, All right. uh, who uh, was in Sound of Metal. She was the teacher. Yes. She's actually a deaf actress, and she will be playing a deaf character in Marvel's Eternals. Ooh, perfect. So it's uh, nice to see them get these um, get these roles. So I think that's Very great. Cool. But um yeah, Quiet Place too. I, maybe some weekend I will pop in the first one, and then I will. I, I think I'll wait to see it on VOD. Okay, uh, okay. Part two. I tell. I mean, these the new one takes yeah. place mere minutes after the first one. Like if you were to bang bang, go see one after the other, you'd have a good time. All right. What's your third to okay. last middle one here? Yeah, this is another one I'm not going to go too deep into because we have an episode about it. But I was a big fan unlike Don of cherry um, with um, with uh, the Russo brothers and Tom Holland. Um, Like I said, we have a whole episode on it. We can go deep into that there in brief. Basically um, I was mostly impressed with the fact that the Russo brothers who are um, quite, you know, they're basically known for their $300 million studio productions Mm -hmm. uh, were able to release a film that um, looks impre- as impressive as it does um, for, you know, a minuscule budget. I mean, compared to, you know, their Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a $30 million picture. I think it captures so many different eras uh, in time. Uh, maybe not like in terms of decades, but in terms of like seeing someone as a, as a college student, then seeing them in a war zone, then seeing them in a drug fueled stupor. It handles a lot of material. Uh, I know the tone didn't work for a lot of people. It worked for me. Um, I really enjoyed that film. And so far it's on my, you know, on my list. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. You guys can go watch the episode. Mm-hmm. I got nothing for that one. All right. My number two. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> my number two is technically my, also one of those. Was it in 2020 award season? Was it in this new award season for the groups that I vote for? We all got our awards done before the end of, December. So this one's a 2021 film for me. I was impressed to pieces by Netflix's Malcolm and Marie. Uh, I know that I don't think that oh. I know. I don't think that landed well for you. It's one of my five star. It's one of my only two five star films so far this year. I thought John David Washington and uh, Zendaya did a wonderful job and an intense job mm. of playing just that at odds couple in a, in a rough night going back and forth into hard stuff. Is it showy? Is it theatrical in terms of, could this be a play as much as it could be a movie? Sure. But I don't care. You put two good actors and you just give them dialogue and chances to push on, push against each other with one force to another, change the scenery, have some breathers of little soundtrack hits. And I haven't seen better acting easily this year so far. And, you know, when I get the chance to vote at the end of the year, John David Washington is making a list for me for some kind of acting awards. And Daya is going to make the same list for a lead actress award. It's just, I, I know I hate to use the term actress movie and actor showcase, but those two put on a clinic of just embattlement of drama of, I know it's not a, I know it's not a sunny movie whatsoever. especially not just because it's black and white where it's not, like I said, it's not positive. And I was okay with that. Like, if you're going to go dark with the way couples and relationships can get chippy and petty, that's one of it. Um, The debate that a lot of people give this movie is, oh, it's just 
the director lashing out about movies and lashing out about criticism and all that. If that's all you get out of the movie, that's no, you're no better than Will only talking about jazz coming out of the La La Land. So it's the movie's about those, <laughs> the movie is about those two people in the room and their sure. dynamic of relationship. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the movie, this movie is about the dynamic of their relationship and all the commentary spout that comes with it. It's secondary. If you just want two good performances, just beating each other up emotionally and verbally. I know it's not pretty, but Malcolm and Marie was impressive for me. Okay, so I, I won't go too deep into it because uh, maybe we'll do an episode on it someday. But mm, all right. you can read my review of Malcolm and Marie at uh, 25YL because I actually somehow got to see that before you. I don't know you how. Did. Or you maybe sure you did. did and I only got to write it. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but um okay first of all uh zendaya i'm a big fan of i think she was great um so i agree with you on her performance i thought that john david washington was embarrassingly awful i thought it was the the worst performance i've seen this year (laughs) so Mm. and um i've seen some bad performances i i really think that it was a, a step in the wrong direction for that character um did i have some issues with um the uh, criticism angle from a filmmaker. Um, I, I did, did a little bit. I knew it. Only, I knew it. Only because, only because, um, I think that this the the project is so much the director and writer's voice that you can't help but read into that a little bit, uh, and it does come across as a little whiny to me. Um, I like. I gave the film two and a half mm-hmm. out of five on Letterboxd. Not the fullest hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Euphoria, the show. There are aspects that I find really compelling about Malcolm and Marie, um, but there's also a lot of stuff that I find very misinterpreted. Like, I think this is a person, uh, in the case of Euphoria, it's um, uh, youth. You know, we're talking about, I don't know how old. What's his face is? Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? Um, John David Washington. That uh, directed, wrote and directed it. Uh, oh, Sam Levinson. Yeah, Sam Sam Levinson. Yeah, Barry's son, right? Yeah, Sam Levinson. Yeah, I don't know how old he is, but with Euphoria, sometimes it seems like he's reaching into sensationalism with youth, and I think some of his dialogues on black culture in this run a little thin, especially coming from a white male director mm. who comes from privilege. So it rubbed me all wrong a little bit, um, but once again, we've already discussed with my La La Land episode. I'm I'm clearly just a woke SJW, <laughs> so <laughs> take my words with a pinch of salt. Um, so, like Euphoria, I I admire aspects of it, but find more faults than than okay. Uh, okay. good stuff about it. the year is 2043. You're playing fantasy football it is championship week you're trying to set your lineup and you don't know what to do robert griffin the fourth and his top target will fuller the sixth have carried you all season but they're facing a london jaguars team that has the top defense in the league your other quarterback is a 66 year old tom brady who's playing against the much more manageable toronto Bengals. So you turn to Nick and Elijah of the 25 Yards Later podcast, a production of Sports Obsessive and Ruminations Radio Network. Be a champion. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
that makes All right, sense. what's your number two? Uh, this is definitely a popcorn movie for sure. Um, Zack Snyder. Uh, we have some Zack Snyder, um, I, I say love and hate. Yeah, um, he gets both. I'm not a fan of his DC. F- I'm not a fan of his DC films, but I do find a lot of his other films quite interesting. If not on a character level, on a visual level, um, he's made some great films. Um, and I'm no, I'm not talking about Justice League. Thank God. I'm talking about Zack Snyder's actual cut of army of the dead which uh was briefly in theaters and on netflix um i actually gave this five wow five Um, not just stars yes flipping stars someday you're gonna give it five fucking stars here we go yeah (laughs) yeah i gave it five flipping stars i gotta say some of it has to do with the the fact that i saw this with my daughter who's kind of a burgeoning horror Mm -hmm. gal um but I got to kind of experience the film, even though it has a lot of tropes of the action genre and the horror genre, as well as the heist genre, because it is a action horror heist film. Because basically the film is about Dave Bautista's crew of mercenaries um, have to infiltrate Las Vegas, which has been um, closed off due to a zombie invasion. So Las Vegas is basically ground zero for the zombie invasion, but has been. closed off to the rest of the world. So the zombie invasion is limited to just Las Vegas. Um, they have to infiltrate Las Vegas on behalf of a billionaire and rob a casino that um, has money in it that the billionaire already got paid back for with his insurance. So he's basically getting free money. He's going to give some of it to Dave Bautista's crew. And of course, nothing goes as planned as, as always happens in a heist film. Mm-hmm. Think oceans 11 versus day of the dead. Um, um technically awesome visually stunning i know some people are complaining about the cameras that he used and the deep focus um the action is superb the gore is superb it has um his trademark um musical introduction if anyone has seen watchmen which is where he previously did it to perfection you know the opening credits is almost like a movie in itself in which he has a montage of things that are happening um, he basically has a 10 minute sequence with a remix of an Elvis song um, that um, uh, basically tells the story of how Las Vegas fell uh, and, and simultaneously introduces the characters. And it is fabulous it is brilliant. Um, yeah. I mean, it is a, essentially an aliens homage um, even down to some of the characters wearing the same costumes as characters in aliens. Oh man. Um, but aliens is a, is a damn fine picture and army of the dead was fantastic all the way through. And like I said, I got to, even though it has some tropes, uh, my daughter, who's only 12, you know, she, she's not aware of those tropes. So to see her experience some of these things for the first time, um, through her eyes, you know, she was burying her head in my arm when she was scared Mm -hmm. and actually the ending at the ending, I won't spoil it, but the ending has a moment, um, that no Zack Snyder film has ever done to me but my daughter was crying she was so emotionally affected by the ending and that really hit me and i thought wow for the first time i actually kind of feel for a Zack snyder character um much like anthony mackie i will watch anything with dave bautista because he's a badass um so i highly recommend army of the dead if anything you're going to get a visual feast for your eyes that is fun as hell to watch okay okay i you i'm hearing every nag you always give me to see this movie and i 
at some point when I get free from school, I know when this recording drops, we're free from school, but I'm not technically free from school yet. So yes, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. All right. My number. I know that you're going to hate it. That's why I want you. I know. To, I want you I'm to just going to find it. La- <laughs> I, I, I've, I'm, I, I've not seen trailers. I'm trying not to get my hypes too far in any directions because that's, I'm really good about doing that and I'll keep doing that here. So, um, no, uh, number one for me, huh? All right. Yep. My number Number one one is out by the time we do the math on this. Yeah. It's been out about a week in theaters, uh, in the Heights, the huge Lin-Manuel Miranda Mm. musical is, uh, awesome. It's just, it's, it's, oh my goodness. It, it kind of the first big movie I saw back in theaters here, you know, getting back in theaters and press screenings and all that. And it plays so good on the big screen. It's, it's, I've never seen the Broadway musical. So I really went in and as usual, I don't see trailers. So I went in completely unknown to anything of it. I'm sure there's people who know the play so well that they just, you know, knew every moment, knew every song coming in and all that, but I didn't. So I was fully swept into the, the spectacle of, it, of the whole thing to it in. And I know we've had our movie musical episode here with La La Land recently, but, and I'm not normally a, mu- a movie musical guy, but this one, just hit all the notes in terms of one, just toweringly good and talented performances. A lot of first time unknown people to us on stateside in terms of being actors here. A lot of up and coming talent giving huge, given huge places and uh, places and stages to show off. You have some of the Broadway cast coming in to kind of bolster this through. And this is the director of Crazy Rich Asians. So the production level of this film is just colorful vibrant energetic you know you know great sets very good costumes uh amazing camera work where capturing the the city that's still kind of there instead of a stage is big but then you can still put the staginess to it with the choreography and the dances and and obviously a soundtrack of 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 music that people know and love and now they found a new lover in me and on you know anthony ramos just yeah, what a great performance. I've seen him in little things here, little things there, like Stars Born and Little Moments in other films. But to see him really take over a show and be a, a lead, a lead actor, not just a lead singer, is an impressive thing. And this is what big screen musicals are all about. Like this movie is gonna look like shit on HBO Max. It's gonna look great on the big screen. I think people will still have a good time watching this in HBO Max and on a small screen. But if you can, I say it with full hyperbole in my 25 whale review. This is the kind of movie that will revitalize going to a movie theater this summer. You can have Fast Nine. You can have mm. you can have A Quiet Place to Part Two. You can have all these Black Widow and all the Marvel hoopla. Black Widow, whatever. <laughs> you know, you can have all your Marvel hoopla, but this oh. this is a movie that is made and cultivated for the big screen and a nice, just original thing. And then to kind of go with our you know, where we've kind of had some moments in our, in our shows and even in this show representation, you know, we have a ton of Latino and Hispanic talent Mm -hmm. really getting to show off what they can do. And to kind of have this play from 2007 still be timely and topical to now and where dreamers are and where immigration Mm -hmm. and where acceptance of different, you know, melting pot things are today, still an issue as ever as, as sharp as it was in 2007, still today, 14 years later, it hasn't lost a beat in terms of it's being impactful and important. And, and also just 
you know, moving. It's got a ton to it. Uh, easily number one movie of the year so far for me. Nice. I um, I can't say much on it because it hasn't been released yet at time of recording for the general public. Mm-hmm. So I have not seen it yet. Um, I am going to see it. I'm going to take my daughter to see it. We were um, big fans of Hamilton and Lin-Manuel Miranda. I have, however, I don't know a lot about the play and the musical. And I have not watched any trailers mm-hmm. for your instruction. Yeah. So it will be a new experience for I me. I think you'll um, love it. I think the only expectation I would have is that it, you know, comes from the Hamilton guy. Yeah. Um, and see, I haven't seen Hamilton yet. So I'm excited. So, yeah. Yeah. I am excited for it. Um, I think that um, it will be a success. Um, I don't know if it'll be on the level of a Crazy Rich Asian success where it just kind of ended up steamrolling you know like kind of the you know, a lot of these cultural films yeah. um that appeal to uh that, that are you know kind of like you said representation so like black panther crazy rich asians mm-hmm. those films ended up exceeding expectations i did i think because of the musical aspect it will turn away a lot of viewers okay. i don't think it'll be a huge hit it'll be a hit yeah um that doesn't mean it's not good like like you're saying i, I will ignore your black widow slander <laughs> um i don't think it's i don't think it's going to appeal to I could be wrong. I was wrong about Twilight. I said the same thing about Twilight when that came out, and that ended up being a huge thing. Um, well, I don't think this but, is going to make uh, Black Panther a billion dollar money, but Crazy Rich Asians hit 150, 200 million. This movie's got a chance. Well, I know our theaters are are scrunching. Yeah, that made small. a lot more than that. Oh, right? You keep talking. I'll dig up the box office here. Didn't it? I, I'm pretty sure it was like I, I put it in that conversation with Black Panther because oh, I no, think it no, made no, like a trillion dollars. No, nowhere close to that. You keep talking and I'll I'll go from there. Let's hear really? about your number one. Oh, okay. No, I thought I thought it I thought it was I thought it was a huge success. All right. Well, like, if you're still going to dwell on it, um, it made 238 million dollars at the U.S. box office. That's a third of what Black Panther made. Oh, well, what was it worldwide though? Uh, if you get 400, I'd be impressed. Yeah. Not, not as much more. Don't, Hey, now for a movie that only costs probably $40 million to make and with no name talent, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a huge yeah. win. But Black Panther. On are, you level. Saying, are you saying Michelle Yeoh is a no name talent, sir? And unfortunately in this country is the, Hey, is that the James Bond girl from a long time ago? Unfortunately it is. And, oh wait! No, 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 is that the mouthy girl from Fresh the Off the best. Boat? Yeah, you're this... the best, the best James Bond girl. No, so no, uh, I will fight that to the death. Yes, oh, oh yes, 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 yes. Good luck. She was beautiful, gorgeous, talented, and held her own with James Bond in terms of fight scenes, and actually rescued him. So, True. Uh, yeah, she's the best. But that's for another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, just to accept that you're wrong about this. Oh, and uh, Michelle, you greatest. You enjoy. Okay. My favorite film of the year is probably going to stay number one the entire year. I cannot see anything except maybe Dune replacing it. Oh, um, or any of the Marvel films that are coming out this year. Any um, of uh, the, the Marvel films? Film of the year. Shut the fuck up. No way. Yes. No way. No, I'm serious. All right, we're going to hold you to this. I, I, Kids, I, mark I the think, tape. No, I mean, don't get me. I mean, Here's the thing. There's, you know, I mean, if we're talking about Captain America 4, that might be a little different, but that's not coming out for a while. Okay. You know, Black Widow, I'm very excited for. Eternals, I'm excited for. Shang-Chi, I'm excited for. Blah, blah, blah. But no film has captured my imagination, has taken me 
into my the bath of nostalgia that is my life more than the multi-genre uh, Wikipedia has it listed as a science fantasy horror comedy. Oh, I know what this is. Um, okay, okay. Nothing can beat this film. Uh, I think it is an amazing achievement, not only from a storytelling place, from a mood, direction, production design, creature design, practical effects, model work, miniatures, humor, um, an amazing sense of uh, mythology. Uh, That would be PG Psycho Goreman from Canada, from... Uh, visual effects, visual effects guru Stephen Kostansky, um, who also did The Void uh, and did the amazing film Manborg, which you can watch on Amazon Prime for free. Um, it is an absolute delight. I mean, it captures. I mean, it makes you laugh. It makes you cringe. It it. Uh, it has some of the greatest. Um, I mean, we're talking Stan Winston level, obviously in a lower budget mm-hmm. creature design that is not only cool but unique. Um, it it it's it has a lot of mythology to it, but never gets up its own ass uh, with it. It kind of doesn't take itself seriously at all. Um, I don't know how to even describe the film. Um, I'm looking at wiki to see if I can get a quick plot summary, but the article's plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed. So I'm going to try my best to give you an idea of of what psycho Gorman is about. So there is a sociopathic nine-year-old girl named Mimi and her brother, Luke, who she abuses pretty much with her um, nonstop demanding nature. They uncover a glowing gem buried in the earth that ends up controlling what they call um, the Archduke of Nightmares. But Mimi decides to rename him Psycho Gorman, or PG, in an homage to E.T., for short. Uh, Psycho Gorman is a psychotic alien from another planet who desires nothing but blood and death, but he is completely under the control of a nine-year-old girl who has her own delusions of grandeur and power. And so basically her, her brother and their extended family take over this small town in Canada and uh, to hilarious results. And of course, all of Psycho Gorman's uh, long list of rogues that hate him come to Earth to battle him as well, and it becomes a battle of survival. Um, I I can't explain to you how lovely this film is. Um, it, It has something for everyone. Um, if you want a comedy, this is one of the funniest films I've seen in a long time. I mean, there's a scene of child death in this film that had me laughing on the floor. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Um, uh, if you're in it for the sci-fi stuff, it had, like I said, it has some brilliant production design, magnificent creature design. Um, the special effects, I mean, this is a low budget film, so it's going to look bad, but kind of like mystery science theater 3000, where the there's charm there campy yeah. nature of like there there is a purposeful charm it it kind of looks awful on purpose and they know how to nail that tone so you know that they're not just making up for a lack of money they are going for 
If you've seen any of Stephen Kostansky's prior films and short films, especially a short film called Biocop, which is hilarious. I highly recommend you can find it on YouTube for free. Um, and then obviously the feature film Manborg, uh, they are going for um, a 1990s, early 90s, mid 90s, direct to video, low budget horror comedy film. And they do that on purpose and they pull it off. It has a beautiful soundtrack. It even has, it even has in a throwback to the franchise horror films of the eighties and early, early nineties. It has a rap song to end the film. Um, like many, like many horror films did like Fr a nightmare on Elm street and Friday the 13th. I cannot recommend psycho gourmet enough. It is, like I said, it's going to take a miracle from Denny Villeneuve and Dune to surpass psycho gourmet. Okay. Okay. I say we got a nice little top five and honorable mentions. This was a good talk and a good show. We got to argue back and forth. See, this was still a hissy fit. Perfect. Yeah. You did your number one. I, I did. That was in the Heights. Did I miss yeah, that? yeah. 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 All right. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I didn't listen. I wasn't listening. To I you. know. All right. So, so not the first show, <laughs> not the first show. All right. Will, you yeah, want to close yeah. this out here, sir? Yes. So I need you all to follow my directions, follow us on Twitter at cinephile fits and on Facebook at cinephile hissy fits podcast. Also, please find both of us on letterbox and follow us. We have lots of lists and ratings uh, that are up to date. Um, there is no poll for this episode because we really didn't discuss anything worth polling about. Uh, so we just want to thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fits is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. If you enjoyed this show, we have way more where that came from. We're going to have, we have interesting hosts, and we are eventually going to have some wonderful guests. All of our shows are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Well, thanks for seeing the top five. I can't wait to do this again in six months at the end of the year where we see where they all shake out. Take care, man. Heck yeah. All right, man. See you later. Do you want more and amazing and awesome content just like this? Great shows with fun hosts. Do you want to indulge in some great discussion and rumination on a variety of topics? Join us at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com, the newest home to a diverse cast of podcasters and masterminds.